Then also we've got some exciting news about our Gulf Coast Convention. It's something that the Lord spoke to me years uh, ago to do in Panama City Beach, Florida, my hometown. And um, we have planned a November meeting, which would be November 19th, 20th, and 21st in Panama City Beach, our Gulf Coast Convention this year. And Pastor David and I will be ministering alongside Reverend Mark and Janet Brzee. And they have a tremendous ministry in Tulsa, wonderful church. And of course, they have been all over the world preaching the gospel for years. And so it's going to be such a wonderful time together. Cindy Black's coming, Rhonda Pihala. We have David Sauger for music. So we have special music, wonderful ministry. And Panama City Beach has uh, just been a beautiful place to have a meeting. Um, it's at the Majestic Beach Resort, and it overlooks the Gulf. All the rooms are discounted and uh, very affordable and they're beautiful too. So you'll have your own private balcony overlooking. And I always tell um, the people that I've invited, you know, you can get a two or three bedroom condo for a reasonable price and split the cost. So it's very affordable. And so uh, November 19th, 20th, and 21st, and we will start registration July 1st. It's free registration, but it'll be up on Facebook and other uh, venues to the Eventbrite to be able to register for that because we do have limited seating. So we encourage you to um, avail yourself to that. It's just always a wonderful meeting. You know, the Holy Spirit just moves so mightily. We've had tremendous times in, in the Lord. So I invite you to come November 19th, 20th, and 21st. All right, Pastor. <laughs> Glory to God. Um. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Job, actually. Uh, unusual title. I hope it gets your attention. The, um, the title is The Joy of Adversity. It's not something you normally hear in a Word of Faith camp. Because, you know, we've, we've, uh, we know that only good things come from, from God. Amen. Did you know that if you're going through a tough time, it isn't the Lord doing it? He's not the problem. God is never the problem. <laughs> and, uh, religion so many times has made God the problem. And uh, so we're going to look at Job chapter 13. You know, he, he, um, I'll set this up a little bit. Job's gotten a, from, from our precious faith movement, which we're a part of still, Job's kind of gotten a bad rap, I think, from the faith camp because, you know, it was like, well, he got in fear and he confessed all this stuff and the bad thing happened and there you go. So that's kind of the end of Job, you know, and everybody rolls. If you say the word Job, everybody rolls their eyes and like, well, don't go there. Well, it certainly takes up a lot of real estate in the word here for it to just be something to roll your eyes at and go, there's nothing to further, there's nothing else to see here. Please keep moving. But I've studied, and of course, some of you here that's been here for a long time, 
you know that I've preached on this before, and it's very interesting if we'll open up our hearts and see if you combine it with what we're going to do today with some of the things James said about adversity. Uh, and the Bible kind of indicates that in this life we will have trouble. Uh, I think this is something that we need to admit <laughs> as faith people. Uh, Brother Hagin used to get up at meetings and say, the crisis of life comes to everyone. And I used to rebuke him under my breath when he'd say that. I, in the, I would say, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. I do not receive adversity. Uh, one lady said she went up, uh, Bro- Brother Shambach, you know, all, all these wonderful men of God have gone on to their heavenly reward. But Brother Shambach said a woman came to him one time in a tent revival and she said, would you pray that I won't have any more trouble with the devil? Or any trouble in life. And he said, yeah, I've got a prayer for that. And she says, oh, good. I knew if anybody could help me, it'd be you. Please pray. Right now, I'm ready. She bowed her head, you know, ready for him to pray. He put his hands on her head and he said, kill her, Lord, in Jesus' name. And uh, she hollered, no. She moved his hand. She said, don't pray that. He says, well, that's the only way for you not to have any trouble. If you're alive on this planet, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. You're going to have temptations. You're going to have uh, things that uh, come against you. And in some cases, there's adversity all over the world today. You know, like uh, as Pastor Scarlett mentioned earlier, in, in some of the prayer time that we had, there's there's um, this pandemic seems to be a hanger on her. Doesn't want to go away, and yeah, whether it's real or not, it's real in the sense that uh, you know, because there's all that you know conspiracy theory. Anyway, whatever, uh, something's been created here by somebody to cause a problem, a major problem. So we have that, and we have government that seems to be uh, <laughs> unwilling to even stand up for its citizenry in certain places, and we have craziness. Just rampant nuts, if you ask me, uh, to, uh, that's going on in the world. I have never, has anyone, uh, alive here ever seen the things in such shape? And yet we know that, you know, during, I'm, I'm sure when the horrors of what was happening in Germany and World War II and so forth came out and the, finally leaked through to the press and all that was happening, I'm sure people felt like this has got to be the end of the world. How can such horrors take place in a modern, uh, educated, <laughs> electric-fueled <laughs> society, you know, uh, with the educated, cultured people? How could they go to such lengths? But we know that evil is in the world. Problems are on every side. And let me, I got news for you. It's always been like that. And it's always going to be until Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom on this earth. Amen. And so, um, so since we know, I, here's my point of this message. Since we know that adversity is here and will come, maybe we should read about how to deal with it. Amen. Know this. And I'm not, I'm not sure Job knew this, but we can know it. Know this, that we have already overcome all things by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
Jesus has paid the price. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I've overcome everything. How many know he overcame death, hell, and the grave? Hallelujah. I'm sure there were people on that day that were anti-Jesus, the anti-Jesus group. Uh, there in Jerusalem, uh, there at the, well, outside of town, actually where it was. Because, uh, the scripture says he'll be, he'll be, uh, prophetically crucified on outside the gates. And that's why we believe the garden tomb and the guard and, uh, Galgotha, where Golgotha was, uh, is, there's no question as to what is, where the place of the crucifixion was. And it is outside the original boundaries of the city of Jerusalem. If you go on an Israel trip, uh, pilgrimage, you'll see that place. And it's ugly, and there's a bus station beneath it, which is a, probably an appropriate thing. But um, on that cross there, Jesus died, and, and I'm sure there were those who cheered and said, good, the problem is out of the way. You know that to this day, there are people who say the church is the problem. Religion is religion, you know, in, in its uh, best form, the best way to think of that word. Religion is the problem. Uh, people worshiping a God they can't see is the problem. They're all crazy. This is has been the theme since Jesus was literally on the scene himself. And so, you know, um, the Bible tells us that the spirit, is this helping anybody to kind of see where we're at? Let me tell you what's wrong. What's wrong is the devil's still loose. What's wrong is the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world and and is rearing its ugly head. And so after all this protesting and so forth going on, and I'm not going to address that, so don't engage me in an argument. I'm Think whatever you want. But I'll tell you, after all the craziness that's been going on and the, and the violence and the uh, looting and pillaging and burning and all the things that have been going on, um, I had a great point to make there. It was, it was, it was going to be this great point. Um, the, the deal is that's not, not, none of that's new. And, uh, regardless of, uh, uh, of the, uh, outcome of that, um, the, the point is Jesus is still on the throne and he rules and reigns in our hearts. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. Amen. We, not, we, not, we may not be able to control everything that we hear about and see, but we can certainly have Christ rule and reign in our hearts, in our life. Amen. Praise God. So, um, you know, here is the great scripture. We'll just get right into this message. But I just want you to know that adversity <laughs> comes, and uh, when we know who we are in Christ and what we have, we can go through things. We can go through the fire along with everyone else and come out without the smell of smoke even on our clothes. Because we don't go in the fiery furnace by ourselves. We go with that fourth man in the fire. Amen. We go with Jesus with us. And he causes us to overcome. These are not just nice words to encourage you with. This is not, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, you know, positive thinking class. If you talk to people that don't want to talk about the things of God, they'll always take you there. They'll always say, well, it's nice to be positive. It's like we're not being positive. We're talking about something that's happened. 
We're talking about a reality of a living God, a living Christ, who causes us to overcome in all things. Praise God. Well, if nobody else gets anything out of this today, I'll encourage myself. Amen. Praise God, which I often do, I think. Job 13, 15, though this is a famous verse and um, has been uh, not not understood well because the King James translation is kind of not the best. But it says here, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I will maintain mine own ways before him. How many know Job was a wealthy man? He was blessed. He he served God with all of his heart. He followed the law. He did everything that he knew to do. Uh, we wouldn't say he he was not a Christian man. Christ hadn't come yet, but he uh, he was a believer in God, Jehovah, Amen. Worshipped and gave sacrifice and and uh, was a tither and a giver and a blesser and in every way. And his sons were reprobates and. Uh, he was constantly making sacrifice on their behalf and trying to cover their sins and do everything he could. Um, the devil showed up to God and said, if you'll remove the hedge around him, you'll see he'll curse you. This Job that you think worships and loves you, this man will curse you to your face. Basically uh, <laughs> tell you to, to just leave him alone. And his, and and things begin to deteriorate for Job. How many know the story? You don't have to read all the scripture. Uh, if you remember Bible stories, books about this, Job suffers everything. He loses his money. He loses his, all of his livestock. Everything he has to for income is is trashed. It's all down the tubes. He becomes covered in in, in illness. He's got boils all over his body. He's uh he's just a disaster of a person. And he's sitting there, and his, finally his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? Because, I mean, you know, obviously you are cursed. You look like the curse walking around. And uh, the, he's the poster child for the curse. And he looks like he's cursed. And yet he continues to pray. And his lamentations are here in the Word. He begin, He continues to pray. He continues to seek God's face. He continues to ask God, when did I fail you? When did I not serve you? When did I not, uh, you know, sacrifice to you? And the situation doesn't change. Job is the poster child for adversity in the word, in my opinion. And um, so here he is. And he finally has these three, um, I often say humorously, and I mean it in the right spirit. But I, he's got these three first-year Rama students who are his comforters um, helping him figure out where he's missed it. See, now th- these are Word of Faith people here. In the you, you wonder how far does the Word of Faith movement go? It goes way back to the book of Job because there's uh, faith people here that's got all the answers. And there, these three <laughs> Job's comforters are trying to help him figure out where he missed it so he can repent and get back on track and get the blessing. You understand? These are You'll find these three at every faith convention you go to. They'll help you if something goes wrong. They're the autopsy people, too, that it, when people die prematurely, they show up at the funeral to figure out where this person missed it and how they didn't obey God. And that's who Job's got. That's who he's dealing with, with his comforters, 
And he finally, in chapter 13, he finally loses it where the comforters are concerned and he fires them. Praise God. He tells them, we won't read it all, but he tells them, you all, I'm better than you. And you're here trying to help me figure out my problem. You all got problems. He just told them off. When he finally is just, I think that opening up the door to tell these three, uh, figure out where you missed it group, when he finally <laughs> runs them off, I think he'd opened up his heart enough to finally be totally, become totally honest towards God. And so when he said, uh, he, he said this, and that's, that's what I want you to see, a better translation of though he slay me, still I'll serve him. It's really more of a figure of speech than some big doctrine. He said, I do it because though he slay me, yet will I wait for and trust and behold, he will slay me. I have no hope. Nevertheless, I will maintain. This is the point. I will maintain and argue my ways before him and even to his face. I think one translation says, even if it kills me, I'm going to say what I have to say to God. That's what that means. Though he slay me, still I'll serve him. See, and so the religious folks have taken that to be, oh, even if I'm not healed, I'll still serve. Well, of course you would. You still serve God based on a healing or a not, a not a healing or the money or not the money. We serve God and love God because we sang it, because he first loved us and purchased our salvation on Calvary. Praise God. This life isn't the end. This is the beginning. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? So he's saying here, I will argue, in other words, if he, if it kill, have you ever heard, you ever heard people say something like that? If they're telling you, you gotta come to Jesus meeting with somebody, <laughs> so to speak. In other words, you've got to tell them the truth. You've got to, it's painful, but you're gonna tell them how you really feel. Anybody, have I just gotten off the bus here? What's the deal? Anybody relate to this? I got off the bus and I'm in Guatemala and I don't speak a word of Spanish. Uh, we've all been there where we've, where we felt that. If it, if, if this, if this relationship ends, let it end. I'm going to say how I feel. If, if it kills me, if I get punched in the nose, whatever, if I get kicked and cursed, I'm going to say what I have to say. Let the chips fall where they may. That's what he meant by that. Even if he kills me, I'm today, I'm going to tell him, see, um, see, because that's good from message, because even if he kills me, I'll keep on hoping. I'll defend my innocent to the very end. In other words, I'm going to continue to plead my case in front of God, whether, whether it's his will or not. I'm going to tell him the truth and say, like, um, Moses said this, Abraham, in their uh, different ways, they said, are you going to be unjust and are you going to be unfaithful? Now, see, religion would say, don't you ever talk to God like that. But yet we have Old Testament examples of people talking very straightforward to God. They had such a, see, Job knew something. Abraham, Moses, uh, some of the others, David was pretty bold towards God and would say, Look, we are, we are friends. 
We have a relationship. Is our relationship real? If it's real, you can say the tough things. You know, if it's not, then you got to be really careful. I think a lot of people that even come to church in places and sing the hymns and whatever and recite uh, Apostles' Creed or whatever, a lot of places like that, I, you wonder, do, do those individuals have a close personal friendship relationship with Father God? Because, you know, our father and our mother, we can revere them and love them, but we can also be friends. We can also have a, commu- a, 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 a communication. Amen? Okay. So there. I don't know. All right. He says, even if it kills me, I'm going to say what I have to say. And he continues to... Uh, to say this, if you, if you, if you look at verse 15, you have the same thing. Be, um, go, let's see, no, where do I want to go from there? Um, let's, let's keep reading verse 16 and stay in the amplifier, or that's fine. Message is fine. Just wait, this is going to work out for the best, my salvation. If I were guilt-stricken, do you think I'd be doing this, laying myself on the line before God? You see, the theme of this, we get a different picture of Job here. If we'll get out of the King James for five minutes. You'd better pay attention to what I'm telling you. Listen carefully with both ears. Keep reading. Now that I've laid out my defense, I'm sure that I'll be acquitted. In other words, though he kills me, if it it kills me, so to speak, I'm going to say what I have to say. Can anyone prove charges against me? I've said my peace, I rest my case. That's faith. That's faith talking. And then he, he goes on with his request and he goes on and on and on and on and on. But the point is, uh, he finally says towards the end of this, in so many words, he says, I'm going to say everything I have on my heart to say to God today And in fact, I will die if I don't say it all. See, we get a different picture of Job here than the old, old school. Well, he didn't know what he was doing, so he, he, he did it wrong. Here's the faith manual. Do it according to that, Job, and you'll come up. I'll tell you what, Job did okay at the end, didn't he? I don't think he messed up too bad. He didn't anger God. God didn't get angry with him for his words, but he said to God, even if you get angry, fine. What have I got to lose? I'm covered in boils. I have no money. My wife's ready to leave me. Everybody's, you know, the, the three, uh, first year Ramah students you sent to help me, I had to fire them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or some other Bible school. They have all the answers. It's amazing how when we're in our 20s, we have all the answers. And by the time we get to our 80s, we know nothing. We go, I don't even know if I know my name, hardly, sometimes. T.L. Osborne said, the problem with turning 80 is, he, uh, or getting into your 80s, he says, it takes you that long to know anything. He says, by the time you're, you, you know anything, you say something, people say, well, they're just old, don't listen to them. But at least you get by with saying what you want. 
because it's like, okay, I'm going to get by. So I can't wait till my 80th birthday when I really say how I really feel. Because <laughs> I can always blame it on early senility, right? I can just say, well, he's a little off, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I think Brother Osborne is right about that. But boy, when we're like 17, 18, 19 years old, we sure have all the answers, don't we? Uh, we can tell. It's why I just laugh at really at some of these millennials out on the street with their marches. And finally a news reporter gets a mic in their face. And if they're not getting cussed out by them, they'll, they'll say, we demand, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, demand on. And hope, let us know how that works for you. Praise God, don't know anything about life yet. and uh, But they'll learn. We all learned, didn't we? Praise God. I never marched in anything. It's too much effort. <clears throat> Praise God. All right. Uh, I love that. He says, I rest my case. Like an attorney, I rest my case. You know, that's how we need to pray. Did you know that's a good uh, sample for prayer? And what he was declaring, if you if you went back, if you had a week to tear that apart in meetings, and you went back and you tore apart all of Job's statements, they're based on the Word. They're based on the nature and character of who he knows God to be. Job never blamed it on God. Job never said... You know, this, he just said, you know, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna declare what is right for me. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but that, ha- that thought which came to me during, uh, Cherie's illness and everything that we were standing with and going through, these thoughts sustained me and helped me. Because we declared the word no matter what we saw. And I commit to you as pastor in Jesus' name, I will always do that. Glad you're thrilled about it. Well, hunky dory, good for you. Praise God. We need some folks today, Christians, that'll stand up for what's right, even if it looks like it's 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 falling on deaf ears. Amen. Look at James. Nobody likes James. Poor James gets a bum rap. The grace people have said James shouldn't even be in the in the Bible because they don't know how to deal with it because he's got too many works, you know. But uh, every Bible I have has got James smack dab in the middle of it, so I think we better hang on to James. And I think we need to listen to James because he helps us not be stupid. It's good not to be stupid, right? So, um, the faith people don't like the book of Job and the grace people don't like James, so I'm just striking out on both ends today, aren't I? I'm making them all mad. James 1, 
Well, no, just, uh, James, yeah, the first chapter, but this, let's start at the second verse. My brethren, count it all joy. <laughs> Whoa, wow, that's why I said the joy of adversity. Yeah, please get rid of this scripture. It's scary, isn't it? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Which is wanting, it means without, without, I mean, no, no lack. If any of you lack wisdom, and I thought of this today with this verse, I just love it, another great point. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. He gives to who? Everyone. If this is available, say, this means me. See, this is, I'm available. Now think about it. During a time of, of, of temptation, trouble, trial, adversity, whatever it would be, sometimes our prayer that we need to pray instead of, Lord, take it away, Lord, you know, deliver me, Lord, change it, is give me wisdom. Because dealing with it is, is involved, involves wisdom. How to deal with it. How to get through it without the smell of smoke. How to, Maintain the victory while you're fighting the good fight of faith. He doesn't say the banquet of faith, the picnic of faith. There's a difference. You know, you dress differently and you have a little different mind to it if you're going to a fight or you're going to a picnic. We've turned it into the picnic of faith, the cruise ship of faith. You might dress a little different for a backyard brawl, then you do a cruise. And your mindset is different. Amen. It's the fight or flight kind of mentality that we get. So it's the fight of faith. We need wisdom in that fight. We need strategy. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For not let not that man think, don't even think it, that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we're going to jump down to save time to verse 12. All right? Now, I want you to see that we've got several things going here. Obviously, we've got temptations, struggles, and trials. Um, yeah, well, the Lord will test you, people will say. Well, no, we're going to see here the same writer of this said, don't say it's the Lord that's testing you. It ain't the Lord testing you, folks. It's not the Lord tempting you. To be discouraged, to be fearful, to throw in the towel. That's not the Lord. Well, that's what I was always taught. Well, big deal. There was people that were taught the earth is flat and didn't make it flat. Come on. 
you know, we're not that, we're not that uneducated or misinformed. Um, we have to be, remain teachable and be willing to upgrade our thinking to the Word of God. Amen. So we have some stuff here. We've got temptations. We've got joy. <laughs> Countless joy. We've got things working patience in us, which my mother used to say, uh, talking about the prayer, the prayer for patience is, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. You know. And so patience has a tendency to work through time. Amen? Then we also have the prayer for wisdom. We also have, if we go back to Job for this morning's message, we have Job with total honesty. That's what I get out of Job. He just finally laid out his heart before God. Best way to pray. We're not impressing God with our platitudes and our memorized prayers that we got at the latest prayer conference. Amen. They told me to pray this way. Well, that you, maybe you can learn something from that, but is it from your heart? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta filter it through your own heart. Amen. And that prayer may work for Sister Ledbetter over here, but not for you. She's Ledbetter and everybody. Sister Ledbetter. Every church has got two or three of those usually. Not ours. Nobody claims anything here. Um, because the pastor is a little off. All right. Where, 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 where I'm lost. Oh yeah, that's right. So, we have, we have this, we have this thing where we don't want to be, and then we don't want to be double-minded. We want to get the word, stay with the word. This, you know, uh, one day the doctor's report is good, and the next day it's bad, and then the next day it's good again, and then it's bad, and then you need a second opinion, and then your diagnosis was wrong, and then, you know, it's, it's up and down, you feel good one day, you feel not so hot the next, up and down, you're, 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 one day you got money in the bank, the next day you don't. Has anybody, am I the only one that's experienced this stuff, you know? Come on. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? Life can be like a roller coaster. But the one thing you hold on to is the Word of God, like Job did. He just kept throwing the Word of God back at God. And that's why James is saying, don't be double-minded. Dig your heels in the our little French bulldog. Boy, when she gets bulldog mentality, she can dig her heels in and she's not moving. She Velcros herself to the floor. You can't even pick her up. I don't know what it is. She's got some special powers that just, she'll hunk her down and that's it. You're not moving her. I shall not be moved was written by a French bulldog. And uh did anybody here ever owned a bulldog of any kind? I'm telling you they are they can just they're they're sweet dogs but they can just be stubborn as a mule. 
My dad used to tell me on the farm growing up, he said, we had mules. And he said, they really were stubborn. He says, sometimes the only thing that you could get is, is there anybody a member of PETA here? Uh, said the only thing that you could get a mule, a mule to, to move is hit him across the head a couple times with a two by four. And then he'd finally move. But you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's a stubborn animal. And, um, if you do that, don't have a videotape going and you'll end up in somewhere. <laughs> animal jail. But, you know, it's like a dog, you know, uh, like that, stubborn. But there's a good side to that, too, is, is, is stand your ground. Dig in. This is what the Word says. God's Word. Well, the devil said, Aunt Myrtle said, Uncle Buck said, whoever. Fine. What does the Word of God say? It's like this. We sing Blessed Assurance. We can sing... Blessed Word, Blessed Bible, Blessed Scripture. This is my story. This is my song, and I'm sticking with it. This is unmovable. Immovable, sorry. This is immovable, unshakable, unchangeable. It's, it's written in, it's written in stone. So to speak. Now, it says here, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Anybody here? We'll, we'll use, we'll broaden that word temptation to mean adversities or trials or struggles. How many has endured some stuff in this world? Well, that says we're blessed. And a lot of times people will look at you out while you're going through said temptation and they'll say, something must be wrong. There's something wrong there, I tell you. There's just something wrong. You ever heard that? Something's off the rails. I'll tell you what's wrong is the devil is loose. There's only two times that your faith will be tested. When you're in the will of God and when you're out of the will of God. Because people will, well, they must be out of the will of God. Really? Job wasn't out of the will of God. James obviously knows something about this. I don't think he's just making this up. He didn't take a course online and wrote the book. <laughs> Blessed is the man that endures temptation. I believe to, to really endure it, you have to overcome it. For when he's tried... He shall receive the crown of life. This sounds pretty good. The joy of adversity. Count it all joy. Which the Lord hath promised to them that loved him. I, I, uh, uh, a teacher from many years ago, a strong prosperity teacher, he said uh, on one of his teachings, he said, I'm going to offer you t- tonight uh, from the word, if somebody have had a hundred thousand dollars for you um, or a, a trial, which would you choose? And um, he said, be careful because the Bible tells us that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And he says, most people would say, give me the money. <laughs> but the more valuable thing is the trial. 
Now see, again, we word folks, we don't like this mess. We don't like this whole thought. Just don't even bring it up. Okay, let's rip Job and James out. The two J's. JJ. Get rid of them. Because it's just too difficult to explain in light of victory. But he's saying there's victory here. Put that up in the Amplified. Let's see what that does. Try to add a little sauce here to the... Yeah, there it is. Look. Blessed, happy, to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Hallelujah. That sounds like a good deal to have. How many want the victor's crown of life? I do. Amen. And you know, that's not just waiting for heaven. We can wear that thing around now. Wear that victor's crown. Hey, say, I like your hat. Where'd you get it? Well, you're not going to like it. (laughs) I do believe that there is a blessing on people who stand up in the word during test and trials. God doesn't forget you. God doesn't go, eh, well, yeah, they're still here. Goody for them. Don't care. No, that's not the heart of God. God does not forget. I I believe that, again, the grace people wouldn't like this part of the message because there's too much works in it, I suppose. But I believe that there is a blessing uh, and an affirmation on lives that have that have stood during hard times. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. You kept praising the Lord when it would have been easier just to say, I think God has forsaken me. And even Job wouldn't say that. Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of this today? Amen. I, I really think it'll help you if you think about it. Maybe you're on the edge of a trial coming out of one. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're going into one. I don't know. But either way, you can just stand on God's word. Continue to rejoice. In fact, all the stuff that you do when things are going well, do it more when it's not so well. Amen? If you read the Bible at home, read it more. If you worship, worship more. If you pray, pray more. Amen. Whatever it is that you do during adversity, the devil wants us to feel discouraged and give up and say there's no use. This praying in tongues, this praying in the spirit is a bunch of waste of time. You know, well, if it's, if I always say if it was a real waste of time, the devil would encourage us to do it more. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands towards heaven. Amen. I'm going to pray for you here and pray for those watching. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your healing power today. If there's anyone here that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, I thank you they can just call on the name of the Lord right now for salvation and receive you. And say, Lord, I receive your gift of grace. I receive the work done for me. I thank you that you shed your blood and paid for my sins. And I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Lord, I thank you for those that need a healing in Jesus' name. Be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk. 
bodies to be healed and touched. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.